Uh, somebody asked me this morning, um, as you can see, I'm not Todd. <laughs> Todd's not here. He, he and, um, and Terry are, are preparing to... Uh, can you turn me down just a little bit? I appreciate it. They're preparing to uh, take Grant to his new job and new home in Graham, Texas, and then to return to da Dallas to finish making pre preparations for Ter Terry's mom's passing. She passed away on fri fr Friday evening. And so we want to keep their family in, in our prayers. Um, it's, they've been at, at this in da Dallas since the er 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 the early part of last week. And Helen... Um, is a believer, and uh, today she's with, with her Lord, and, and so we're thank we're thankful for for that. She had been sick for quite some time, so we uh, uh, re rejoice with her, but we also want to keep the Sapisa family, especially Terry and her brother, in, in our prayers. Um, somebody asked me, uh, "What are you?" preaching on the day, Mark, taking Todd's place. Are you going to continue on in song songs? I said, no, Todd has that sermon ready. He will uh, uh, bring that sermon to us ne next week. And so my cleric temperament sometimes flares up. And somebody asked me, what are you going to preach on? I said, well, I'm going to preach on the evils of drinking and smoking. <laughs> And when I get done with that, there's still time. I'm going to move on to dancing and playing cards. <laughs> and then I looked at the clock and realized I don't have time. So, <laughs> no, I want to thank uh, Brian and the mu music team for the mu musical part of our wor worship this mor morning. Um, as I was think thinking about what to title of our, what we're going to talk about today, uh, I, and I saw that we were going to sing the song, How Deep the Fa Father's Love for Us, I thought. That would be a great title, so thank you, Brian. Thank you, mu mu music team, for the title to our ser sermon this morning, How Deep the Fa Father's Love. And also, that first song, uh, we weren't here last week, so we didn't, we weren't, we didn't get to uh, learn the new song from last week, but but I love the song, anything that talks about the infinite love of Christ. It was great. So this, this morning, if you would, turn to Matthew chapter 6. I, I believe that one of the greatest expressions of love that's found in, uh, in, in Scripture is found right in the middle of what we call Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Not long before this, his... Cousin John the Baptist uh, had been put in into pr prison, and if we read before this in uh, Ma Matthew, we find out that when John was put into prison, that G Jesus then left that that area and went up to uh, Galilee, and it said that once John was put into prison, Jesus went to Galilee and began his ministry, and he began to preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And if we read on down through uh, chapter 4, we find, find out that P P 
people began to uh, come to hear him teach. Uh, they came from as far south as Judea, as far north as Syria, as far east as on the east side of the Jordan, as well as in the area of Galilee. And the crowds began to grow larger and larger. And uh, it says that he was healing healing people. He was also preaching for people to repent because the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And so when we get to what we call the Sermon on the Mount, right in the middle of that, well, of course it says that Jesus went up on a mountain because the crowds had gotten very large. So he went up, went up on a mountain in Galilee. And uh, the crowds came to, to hear him. And then we have in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, which we went through this summer, um, what he had to say. And we probably don't have every word he said, but, but, but we have what Matthew was inspired to, to, to write. And right in the middle of it, um, we have what I believe is one of the greatest expressions of love that God the Father, through Jesus the Son, uh, ever gave us in, in print. I ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Um, if we could, we want to look at what uh, has come, come to be known as the, the Lord's Prayer. Con, concerning prayer, and, and I might say the one, the, one of the reasons why I think this perhaps is one of the greatest express, expressions of love that we've been given by God the Father through, G, through Jesus the Son is in this prayer, G, G, Jesus tells the folks, you have a way to talk directly to the Father. In fact, in this chapter 6, from verses 1 through 15, our Father, your, fa- your Father, those two fr- phrases appear eight times just in those fi- 15, ver- 15 verses. So we know that that was an important message that Jesus had for them. So as we begin to look, look at this passage, um, G- Jesus first shows in verse 5 and verses 7 two ways not to pray. He says, first of all, don't pray in a hypocritical fa- fashion. And the example he gave was people who would stand on, on street corners or people who would be in the synagogue. So we know he's speak, speaking probably primarily to Jews or Jewish proselytes. And he, he told them, don't do what these people do. They stand up where there are crowds and they pray in order to be noticed. The other thing he said in verse 7 is don't pray in a, in a way where all you're doing is saying things over and over, and he called it meaningless repetitions. You know, that reminds me of the story of when Elijah was up on Mount Carmel, and he said, you know, have all of Baal's priests come, and so there were 450 of one kind of priest and 400 of another, and they were, you know, you remember the story, they were going to offer sacrifices, and he was going to show, God was going to show who, who the real God was that day. Well, these priests of Baal, it said that they went from early in the morning to late in the evening, ch- chanting over and over and over. Anyway, that's a picture that I saw in my mind when I read, read this. But Jesus said, this is one way not to pray, is to come up with meaningless repetitions, things you're saying over and over and over 
as if God might hear you sometime. But both of these were methods that he said not to do because they were both being done so people would notice them. He also includes in this instruction where to pray. He says, and this was in total opposition to what he had shown as how not, not to pray when he said, uh, go into your inner room and close the door. Instead of being out where, pe- 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 where pe- 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 people could see them, he said, you need to go into your inner room and close the door. And he says, and when you pray to your father who's in secret, your father who sees in secret will reward you. But interesting, but the most important, the most interesting part of this that I see is he says here, pray to your father. As I said, that phrase is used, is, is, uh, appears eight times in these 15, ver- first 15, first 15 verses. And he says in, in verse 8, he knows what you need before you ask. Therefore, I would conclude that God's love precedes our petitions. He loved us before we ever approached him. That's how deep his love is for, for us. He said, pray then in, in this way. Here is something that I think makes us one of the most one of the greatest expressions of love. Because this in instruction is from God in the flesh. This is God incarnate who has left God's throne throne room. He's left his home in heaven and he's come down to engage in in person with a group of people that he so deeply loved, but they didn't know it yet. They didn't know that he was going to die. He did. They didn't know that he would rise from the dead in order to redeem those that he was speaking to, but he knew it. The second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, he's the one who says, pray in this way. Can can you believe it? That God in, in, in human flesh was with them on the side of that mountain, and he was saying, pray in, in this way. We're not going to have enough time today. <laughs> First thing in, ver- in, in verse 9, let's note, notice that he uses the plural word, our. Our Father. Not your Father, not my Father. He says, our fa- Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Again, one of the things I appreciate about the songs we sang this, this morning is, is this phrase right here, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. This prayer begins with an, express, an expression of worship and reverence. Just like words in the songs we sang this, this morning. Um, I almost wish we could just stop here and go back and sing the last two songs we sang. Because that's what Jesus was saying to these people. When you pray, pray this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father who is in heaven. That's where Jesus had come from. I I expect that Jesus 
when he told them this. Don't, don't you think that perhaps he could see in his mind's eye where he had come from? When he says, our Father who is in, he- in, 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 he- in heaven, if you were to tell me about some place you had been, would you be seeing that? And I had never been there. Would you be seeing that in your mind's eye as you've told me all about it? Yeah. So here's, here's the king who loved them. They didn't know it yet. He'd already healed some of them, and they uh, uh, appreciated him. Some of them were already beginning to, to believe what he, he had to say. But I just think in his, in his mind, our Father who is in heaven, he, he sees the throne. Hallowed be your name. He knew also, I think he also knew the effect that worship has on the Father. Like, like I said, I only have two, page, two pages of notes. We're not going to get it done today, so we'll go as far as we go, and then, and then we'll quit. But I, but I want to show you the antithesis. I want to show you the effect of hallowed be thy name. If you would, back, back up one, one, book, one book in the Bible. Let's, let's, back up about, let's back up about 450, 460 years to Malachi chapter 3. The temple had been completed for 80 or 90 years by this time. Yet Israel, the the Jews, were not worshiping God. Many of them had married foreign wives, and God had told them not to do that, and they were going to be judged because of that. There was a famine on the land at at this time, but yet the Jews were not looking to God to supply for, for them. And so God calls this man named Malachi. I need you to go speak to my people. Over in chapter 3, verse 13, after God has told them that I will bless you, in verse 13 he says, your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his charge and that we have walked in mourning before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the arrogant blessed. Not only are the doers of wickedness built up, but they also test God and God lets them get away with it. Verse 16. Then there were a few who feared God. Those who feared God spoke to one another and the Lord gave attention and heard. Jesus is on the mountain one day up in in Galilee. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Does he hear? Does he know? Look look what had happened over 450 years before. Back to verse 16 in Malachi 3. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts. And on the day that I prepare my own possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. 
reckon it meant something to God the day that Jesus was on the side of that mountain and he says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. I, I think it meant a lot to him. Okay, let's go on to verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What, what do you think that meant to, to those Jews who, who heard that? Jesus said, pray this way, your kingdom come. What had they been waiting for? For a long, long time. They had been waiting for their king. They had been waiting for their Messiah to come and to set up his kingdom. And they they believed that there was a Messiah. They believed that he was going to come. And and where they were at that point in their their lives, they believed Messiah was going to come and free them from Rome. Right? Yeah, that, that, that's, what they, that's what they believed. Jesus says, pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in he- heaven. Now what they didn't know that Jesus knew is that he was going to go to a cross and die for them and rise from the dead and become a final, sa- sa- final sacrifice so they would no longer have to go to the temple and sacrifice to have their sins atoned once a year, that he was going to come and do it, and he was going to be the final sacrifice. And that God's God's kingdom, they would become a part of God's kingdom as they trusted in him. And so whenever Jesus said, pray this way, your your kingdom come, they would be able to someday understand after he rose from the dead that, his kingdom, they were part of his kingdom. If they believed in what he had done and he had become their sacrifice, same way with all, with all, with all, all of us here, we then are a part of his forever kingdom. And so his, his kingdom, in essence, is within us because we are, we are within him. They just didn't know that part yet. But there also is going to be an earthly kingdom in the future. Jesus is going to come. He came as their Messiah. They didn't understand. They didn't accept him, but he will come again, and they will. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth. Isn't that interesting that he said, when you pray, pray, God, we want your will to be done here on earth, not just in heaven, but here on earth, he says, as it is in heaven. I would like to add a, a couple of words to that, if we could. Your will be done on earth as it has been established in heaven. In other words, the relationship is that close. He was saying, when you pray, pray this, this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in, he- as it is in heaven. Where is God's will established? In heaven. It's where, he, it's where he, he is. And this part of the prayer was Jesus was inviting them to then say, God, we want your, king, your kingdom come to come and we want your will to be done here on earth as you have already established it in, in heaven. That day, Jesus was a living proof of it. I mean, there he was. He was 
does it say? Your will be done? Jesus was doing the will of the Father that day on the side of the mountain. He was saying, when you pray, to ask that, we want, God, we ask that your will be done on earth that is, as, it is, as it is in heaven. And the living proof of that was sitting right in front of them, telling them how to pray. Is that great or what? What a day that was. What a day that was. Okay, we have time for one more, maybe two more. Let's see. Verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. I wonder why he put that in there. Oh, I'll also remember that um, he had already talk, talked about stuff, and he was going to talk, talk about, it some, about it some more. But, he, but this is part of the prayer. Come, come before God and say, give us this day our day, day, daily bread. Lord if, Lord, if you'll just bless my business and help us make 50% more, we'll give more to, mi- to missions. I can hire more, pe- more people. Lord, if you just help me make more money, we can do this and this and this and this. Jesus said, if you're going to the throne, he said, here's the way you pray. Give us this day our daily bread. You know what's freeing about that? I own three different businesses at one time. You who own businesses, does the the businesses cause you to get gray hair earlier than some of your friends? Yes, they do. This is freeing. I can can tell you from experience, this is freeing. In the prayer, give us this day our daily bread. When all you're concerned about is, oh, and and there's some that, that believe, give us this day our day, our daily bread also means, you know, what we'll have to eat tomorrow, that's fine. That's fine. But if that's all we're concerned about and we're tr- trusting God for that, then can we trust him for everything else too? Yes, we can trust him for everything else too. So when he gets through with this part over in verse 24, he's going to car- carry on a little bit more. Let's just, look, ju- let's just look at it. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate God and love wealth, or he will be devoted to God and despise wealth. For this reason I say to you, don't be worried about your life. So when you go talk to him, and it's on your mind, the, the way that we, that we approach God, who supplies all that we need, is simply give us this day our daily bread. Oh, I'd, I'd like to share one... Um, Old Testament, or a couple of verses with you. If you have your Bible, I want to turn over to Proverbs chapter 30. This is what a man by the name of Agur had to say. This was his, his approach to it and his heart. Proverbs 30, verses 7, 8, and 9. He says, two things I ask of you, speaking to God, Father, do not refuse me before I die. First thing, keep deception and lies far from me. Second thing, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion, that I not be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? 
Lord, don't let me make so much and have so much that I begin to depend, depend on what I've, I've accumulated to where I live like I'm saying, who's the Lord? The other thing he's asked, though, is, or that I not be in want and steal and profane the name of my God. Jesus put it this way. When you pray, pray in this way. Give us this day our daily bread. See how freeing that, that is? When that's our, our concern, that's all we need. Give us this day our day, daily bread. Okay, let's go on to verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I, I would like to say, you know, we could read through, through, through this and it makes sense. And say, well, why would we spend so much time do, doing this? Well, um, I, I know why. Over at chapter 7, at the end of chapter 7, the last verse and the first, last two verses in the, last, in the first verse of chapter 8. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Here's the, ne the next ver verses are key. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. So guess what was going on? As after he said, said these things, and they recognized, oh my goodness, we've never heard anybody teach like this, and large crowds followed him. Was the conversation going on? Were questions coming? So it's okay for us to spend a little bit of time this morning, okay? It's okay, because they came down, down, down the mountain. The crowds were following. We just got we just, we just to know for the next three years, people were, were asking questions to each other, asking qu questions to him when they could, asking questions to his disciples, thinking about what he had said and discussing what he had said. That's what we're doing this morning. Hooray for us. Verse, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our de debtors. Fortunately for us, I believe that Jesus explains this. Now, if, if, we, were to, if we were to go look in a Greek lexicon or a, or a concordance, we who don't speak Greek, if we were to go look, look up there and look up these words, debt and debt debtors, we would find out that there's five different versions of the word used in the New, New Testament. And two of them are in this verse, two different ones. Now, one of them, just so we, we know, one of them actually does talk about money, but this isn't one of those, okay? But one of those five actually does talk about money, but th this isn't it. He says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I believe that the explanation of what he's, ta he's talking about here can be found in verses 14 and 15, which are not part of the, the prayer. This is what Jesus says. For if you forgive others for their transgressions. Oh, oh by the way, others is not just your best friend. This is, this is mankind. This is people in general. If you forgive others, this could be your family. This could be your best friends. This could be your, the person who you appreciate the least in the world. 
okay, from one end of the spectrum to, to, to the other. Anthropoi, people, people, men. That, that's what this word is, okay? It's not exclusive to a group. It's all men. For if you forgive others, if you forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you. Now let's go back up to verse, verse 12, to, to our verse. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. What takes place first? As we have also. Present perfect tense. As we have also. Lord, would you please do what we have already done? Get it? And forgive us our debts. This is the prayer to God. This is God on the side of the hill incarnate saying, when you pray to the Father, pray like this, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So there's a heart issue there, right? And it begins with us. But here's what he means by, by the debts. I, I believe, verse 14, if you forgive others for their transgressions, for their transgressions against you, you're... I added that in. You can see your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, men, all people, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. So, so there, there, there's what happens. If we forgive others, he forgives us. If we don't forgive others, he doesn't forgive, forgive us. But guess where the forgiving starts? Back in verse 12. We also have forgiven, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Okay, here, here's what we're going to do. I'm, I'm gonna, we're just going to read the next verse. I'm gonna make it, it says, do not pull the comments, and then we're going to close our time together. Verse 13 says, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, we, we won't take the time to look up the, ver verses to the verses today, but just know that if your tra translation uses the word trial there, or if you've heard it said that this could mean, could, could mean trials, it, it, it could. God does allow trials in, in, in our lives. We have script scriptural ver versions of it, uh, what Job went, went through. We could read that. Uh, even what Pete, Peter went went through, you know, when when we read about um, in John chap, chapter thirteen, where Peter says, you know, Lord, where 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 are you going? I'll go with you. I'll die with you. And Jesus says, Well, the truth is, before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. Well, in Luke's ver Luke's version of it, he gives us a little bit more in, in, in information, and Jesus says, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. So Satan had been before the Father. Jesus knew it in order to tempt, to uh, uh, try to get P Peter to deny him. And he was going to deny that he knew Jesus three times, but he wasn't going to fall away. So we, we could look at those kind of things. There are other verses we, 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 could, look, could, we could look at. We won't take the time today. It says, do not lead us into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one. There is scripture that says that God does not tempt anyone. And um, uh, so what I believe that, that he's, he's talking here without l- l- looking up all the correlating scriptures, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the, e- e- the evil, evil one. I just believe that this is part of the, of the recognition of his, that Jesus is saying, this is how much God loves us. This is how much God love, 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 loves you. And so you can rely on him not to lead you into temptation. That's not God's nature. That's not what he does. Because then we could look at the scriptures that say God doesn't tempt anyone, but he gives everybody a way to get, to get through it. We won't do, do that. What I want to do is, that's an, an, an interesting stu- study. It's, there's also some great verses that, that, that talk about that we could use about being delivered from the evil one. Uh, we'll not do that today. What I would like to do, though, is take the last phrase. Brian, can I have five minutes? Thanks, bro. Because <laughs> we're going we're gonna to sing a song in, in, in just a minute that, that uh, is, is this prayer. And, and, and we're going we're gonna to really enjoy doing it and we're worshiping the Lord. But let's, let's do this. In your, your Bible, it may have, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Yours may be in brackets. And it may say, well, this was not in some of the earliest manuscripts. Maybe so. But it's true, isn't it? Whoever put it in there. But there is one in the manuscript that's just as good. Turn to First Chronicles 29. This one is in the manuscript, and it's just as good. We're going to read it, to, read it together. First Chronicles, chapter 29. It's hard to find. It's page 587. <laughs> okay, David had called the people to give in order to come up with enough money and things to build the temple for the first time, Okay. And so they, they give so much. Here's what David says. In beginning in verse 9, Then the people rejoiced because they'd offered so willingly, for they'd made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. Verse, verse 10. Here, here's, here's what I want us to read together. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Now here's the part that's as good as the stuff over in Matthew. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power. Yours, O Lord, is the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all, and in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God we thank you and praise your glorious name.